This is an Ion Annapolis bonus podcast. Well, today on the phone, we're talking with the founder of a band that was formed back in 1974. And we all probably, well, let me correct that. Well, those of us of a certain age probably grew up with this music with huge hits like You Are the Woman, Just Remember I Love You, and Strange Way. Jock Bartley from Firefall, welcome. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'll tell you, I have to say, I'm excited to talk to you and more excited to see you when you're here in Annapolis at Ramshead on stage on Friday, October 27th. And I did just yeah. peek. I did just peek, and there are a few tickets left. So for those that are listening and looking for an amazing night of entertainment, ramsheadonstage.com is where you need to go. You also can go to firefallofficial.com and learn all about the band and what they've been up to. Um, but you guys are out on a tour supporting your 13th album, Friends and Family, which released about a month ago, right? Yeah, I didn't realize it was 13, but hey, let's count. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and the the new Friends and Family album is kind of a concept 1970s album, and we're just so proud of it, and it's starting to take off and getting get a lot of downloads and a lot of attention around the country. It's great to hi- finally have it out. Well, I'll tell you, Annapolis is the only show in the region on this tour, and this is not really a Firefall album per se, but it's an homage to the bands that sort of were rotating around your ethos. Am I am I right on that? Rotating around our ethos. I I like how that how you put that. <laughs> but is the it, concept is that what the it concept, is? Concept very simply. Well, yeah, the concept is really simple. Um, our manager slash record label called me on the phone about a year year and a half ago and said. You know, Jock, the original members of Firefall, many of you guys played in other famous bands like the Birds and the Flying Breeder Brothers and Spirit, Jojo Gunn, Dan Fogelberg, Hart, in my case, Graham Parsons. And he says, why don't you guys make an album of their material? And when he said that, the light bulb went on and I went, that's a great idea. But, you know, let's expand that. Because in 1976, when our first album came out and hit so big and went gold real quick, and suddenly we were touring with everybody that we could tour with, we got to know and tour with and got to be friends with bands like the Doobie Brothers, Fleetwood Mac, Loggins and Messina, the band with Levon Helm and Robbie Robertson and everybody, you know, Leonard Skinner, you know, Marshall Tucker. Wow. No kidding. No I suggested, kids. why don't why don't we do a song of theirs too on this album? And he said, "That's great, great idea." So we had our pick of hundreds of some of the best songs of the seventies, late sixties into the seventies to choose from. But I knew right away that that it, you know we had to pick very carefully, you know. Lynn, when he found out that we had toured with the band on their last tour before they went out and made the last waltz movie and and broke up, um, he said, oh, the band, yeah, you guys could do Up on Cripple Creek. And I went, no friggin' way. You know, it's like only Levon Helm should sing that song, you know? Right. And somebody, when we were trying to figure out what heart song to do, which was difficult because it's the Wilson sisters and, and you know what 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 heart song do you do? 
um, somebody said suggested, how about Barracuda? And I went, no, 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 no. That's a that's a heart song, and that's that's a hands off type of song. So that's just a few little examples of. No, we had to pick the songs very carefully, group by group, and and do right by them. And the whole album is about us honoring not only those songs and the bands that did them, but the 60s and 70s in general, which pretty much everybody knows that was a decade or a decade, decade and a half of music that will never be duplicated again. Well, that's true. And I mean, how... I mean, with so many artists and with so many songs, and I mean, there's been some fantastic, my, my girlfriend and I argue all the time, uh, whether we like the uh, XM 80s or the 70s uh, <laughs> channel better. But you know, with so many artists and songs to choose from, I mean, how did you hone it down? I mean, this this album is a dozen tracks, right? I mean, it's not 13. 600. <laughs> right, 13. Um, it was easy in some respects, and it was very difficult on another couple of songs. Um, one of the easy ones was we did Loggins and Messina's last tour and got to be really good friends with both of them. And then Kenny Loggins, you know, went out on his own for the rest of the 70s and had all those great hits. Um, you know, the the Loggins and Messina song that to me sounded like Firefall all along was... Um, angry eyes. And I thought, lad, angry eyes, let's do a version of it. And everybody went great. Um, when we picked, I didn't know which Dan Fogelberg song to choose. And one of my vocalists, Steve Weinmeister said, well, I do part of the plan really good. And that's one of his best songs. And I went, that's great. Let's, let's do part of the plan. And, uh, you know, the Doobie Brothers song was really hard to choose as was the Fleetwood Mac song. So some of the songs were pretty obvious which one we wanted to, to give, uh, you know, new life to. And some of them were difficult. Like on the Doobie Brothers song, frankly, and we got to be really good friends with the Doobies and toured with them for like on and off for five or six years in the 70s um, when the Michael McDonald uh, Skunk Baxter version was happening and uh you know i just couldn't figure out well what song do you want to do because some of them are, some of them are a big no and others i don't know and i knew that there'd probably be thousands of doobie brothers fans who would get ticked off of us how dare they do my favorite song <laughs> you know <clears throat> and and somebody suggested how about long train running and I went, eh, I don't know. And when I listened to the original Long Train Running, it has that signature Tommy Johnson, the guitar lick. And mm -hmm. I kind of hesitated to, you know, do that. Um, the point to this whole thing is some of the songs, like the Fogelberg song or the Spirit song, uh, I Got a Line on You, we kept right down the pike and played it like people expected it to be played, including guitar solos. Like, you know, on part of the plan with Dan Fogelberg, that's the guitar solo. And yeah, I'm a great lead guitar player and I could have played something different, but I didn't want to. I wanted to play Dan's solo and play it well and have people go, that was great. 
but back to the Doobie Brothers, when I started studying long train running, I realized that there were two guitar parts, two rhythm guitar parts, the one signature Tommy Johnson one that I just mentioned, but also there was this other one. So I kind of thought, well, let's try this. And I made, on the Doobies record, I made their number two rhythm guitar part be our primary one and had the signature Tommy Johnson guitar lick um, a little bit further in the background and not dominating so much. And we, uh, we put a saxophone on it as opposed to harmonica and... Uh, my new singer, John Bisaha, um, sang the heck out of it, and it suddenly was sounding great, but it's not exactly like the original. So songs on this album, about half of them are right down, straight down the pike, you know, and, and sound like they're, they should be. And then some of them, we changed up a bit and just gave our own flavor to it. But the whole thing is about the love and honoring and respect of us who was also a seventies band to, to show people, you know, you know, what we grew up and what was happening around us because Firefall always had our great songs, had a lot of hit songs, but boy, when you think about Fleetwood Mac or Leonard Skinner or that, man, that was great. True. True. Well, I imagine we can expect to hear a lot of these on the 27th when you guys are here, but are we going to also hear some Firefall favorites? Now you guys are coming with the trio as opposed to the full band, right? We are. This is a trio gig and a little trio tour. We don't do those very often, but they're sure fun because it's two guitars and bass and the three vocalists. And my new vocalist from uh, two years ago that made this Friends and Family album, Steve Weinmeister, who was the lead vocalist for 25 years, and then he left the band for five years and then came back. He and our new buddy, John Bisaha, who's also in the band called The Babies, and he is a rock singer from Los Angeles that is just kick-ass, boy. He is a great, great high singer, and our vocals are as good as we've ever had in the band. I'm the third singer, and I've, I've sang the same for the, for the last 30 years, so, boy, these other two guys, it's just, it's just so great having them. And, in fact, it, when we were trying to figure out what heart song to do. Um, John said, you know, I could sing the heck out of what about love? And I went, Oh, what about love? And we looked into it and started rehearsing it. And it sounded great with him singing it. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily a female song and, you know, uh, it just really added to our, you know, the growing number of cool songs uh, that we're going to be on friends and family. And Hey, I've got a scoop for you, my friend ready for the scoop. I'm ready. We are six songs into friends and family two as we speak. Awesome. And I, I thought, and all of us thought that this idea and this concept of doing, um, you know, some of the best songs from our friends and bands that we also used to play with, um, we didn't really finish the job on that first album. So we're doing another one. And we've got a Stephen Stills song on the second record and, um, and another Fleetwood Mac song and a, a Beach Boys song, you know, and 
it's it's going to be great. Now I'm not going to overdo it. We're not going to make three or four of these albums, but two two friends and family albums really seemed like the way to go. And you know, one thing that I've been hearing about in interviews and people coming up to us after the show at the meet and greets is so a lot of fire that yes, Firefall's audience is 60 years old, 70s, you know, maybe 50 or 50 years old, but we have every night a lot of 30 and 20 year old couples in the audience singing along with all of our songs. And I realized years ago that was because they grew up in a, in a um, household where their parents played Dan Fogelberg and the Eagles and, and Firefall. And they loved those songs when they were little kids. You know, sure. So we have a younger gener- generation singing along at the songs too. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just such a fulfilling thing to get up there and have so very appreciative audiences. And you and I both know that really probably the reason for that is music is memories, you know, and when you hear a song, a Firefall song or Eagle song or a Fogelberg song or a little river band song, you know, and you loved that song when you were in your teenage years or college years, that takes you back. And music is some of the best way back machine there is. And uh, it was just an honor to do that. And there's a kind of minor historic nature to this album because, you know, a lot of people in their 20s and 30s have no idea who Firefall is. And they really have no idea who, you know, uh, the the original Doobie Brothers or or Marshall Tuckle or, or Leonard Skinner. They're all in a whole new genre of music in their age group. And so not only is Firefall playing some of these songs really good and treating them lovingly. And here you go, um, that, that we're opening up some of the playlists to those younger people that they hadn't heard before, you know, Leonard Skinner song. We played our first single off of this record a few months ago was simple man by Leonard Skinner with John Bissaha singing the great lead vocal and me, the guitar player. I mean, back in the day, those three electric guitar players and Leonard Skinner's would burn your face off every show. You know, they were, they were friggin' great. And I didn't really try to learn the solo and play what they played. Like I did on the Dan Fogelberg song. I just kind of had in the back of my mind, you know, how great they were and how in your face they were as lead guitar players and uh, just did my lead guitar thing. And, and it sounds uh, totally appropriate for our version. Same thing with, uh, we did Can't You See by Marshall Tucker, one of their biggest hits. And I got to know Toy Caldwell back in the seventies. And I remember he and I comparing our old Les Pauls on stage a few times at Soundcheck. Oh man, that's nice. Oh, look at that. Hey, you know, and, and Toy Caldwell, he was one of a kind and a really good lead guitar player. And when it came time to do the solos on Can't You See, I just kind of put Toy Caldwell's memory and groove in the back of my head and just played. And it turned out great. Fantastic. Fantastic. 
Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what. Right now, if you got a call, you mentioned your manager before and your label. If you got a call right now saying, hey, we need Firefall, whether it's the trio or the full band, for a co-build show with any act, dead or alive, um, who, who are you going to be playing with on stage? Who, who would you, Jack Bartley, like to play with on stage that you maybe haven't? Maybe haven't. Whoa. Okay, Paul McCartney. Um, no, I'll tell you what. I will tell you that looking back on my somewhat blessed and magical career, because I was at the right place at the right time a few times, you know, to fall into Graham Parsons and Emmy Lou Harris's Fallen Angels band, you know, and then a few months later, meet Rick Roberts and he and I formed Firefall. It was just like amazing to be right there at the right time. Um, the two shows and the two bands that we used to play with in 1976 that stand out and were at the top of the top, um, number one, the band playing a lot of the band shows with Levon Helm and Rick Danko and Robbie Robertson and, you know, and sitting at, we'd play our little 35 minute set. And then I'd go grab a seat behind the curtain that would be about 10 feet away from Levon Helm and just watch him do his thing. Unbelievable. That those were some of the best gigs we ever played, you know, because the band was just one of the best American bands ever. And then of course the other one, how could you, how could I not say this one? Um, when we, Open many shows for Fleetwood Mac. The new Fleetwood Mac was Stevie and Lindsay um, in 1976. And the White Album, they really liked us as a band. And we could do a 35 or 40 minute set of songs that were on the radio even then and not necessarily need a sound check. Because a lot of times, you know, opening acts didn't get sound checked back then. Sure. Just went on stage and played. And they they had liked us so much on the white album that we became one of their main opening acts of choice for the rumors tour and the rumors tour, you know, playing in front of 60 to 80,000 people a day in a stadium show. And they were without question, the biggest band in the world then. And it was just amazing to play a very small role on that bill. You know, and uh, the, the the biggest show we ever played in our home state of Colorado was at Folsom Stadium in Boulder, the SCU Stadium that now Deion Sanders is the coach of. It's fun football being there. Yeah. <laughs> but back in 1977, we played Fleetwood Mac Rumors Tour, Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band, and Firefall. And there were like 70,000 people there in our hometown to see their new rock and roll heroes who've made it big suddenly. It's like, it's great. That's, that's awesome. That is awesome. Well, I'll tell you, it, just you're talking about you being a rock and roll hero. And I know that you were a musician uh, well before Firefall, but if that whole guitar thing had never worked out when you were younger, uh, what would Jack Bartley be doing today? Um, uh, I'd, Probably be either an artist, I'm a painter, and do paintings and sell a few paintings and everything, which is one of my second loves. When I was in high school and early college, I was into drama and I was in I was in plays and 
stuff. So it kind of always had something to do with, with being on stage and, you know, and, uh, getting the accolades of crowds, I guess. Um, I was a basketball star in my little high school. And then when I got to college up at CU and I realized I'm only 5'10 and <laughs> everybody else that was even on intramurals was, Oh, six, five, I guess, I guess my basketball career is over, <laughs> <laughs> but I pretty, I pretty much knew I was always going to be a guitar player. And it, it, a lot of times it boils down to, well, first of all, you have to have your, yourself together. You got to be a good player and ready. And I've had a couple of windows of opportunity in my life and career open up for me that I was able to jump through. And then suddenly I'm on the road with Graham and Emmy Lou and meeting Linda Ronstadt and Neil Young. And it was just like, you know, sometimes people get a window of opportunity to open for them, you know, but if they don't have it together or else, or else if they're rusty or, you know, I hurt my hand last week, you know, they might not be able to jump through if one of those rare windows of opportunity in your life happen. And, uh, being in Boulder, Colorado was really pretty cool because I was a, one of the best things that ever happened to me was I showed an interest in guitar when I was eight, nine years old. Um, when my family moved to Colorado from Kansas and I looked in the Sears catalog and saw a bright red $59 Sears airline guitar might've even had a, an amp built into the case. One of those things, $59. <laughs> and my mom was a musician, a professional musician. And she kind of took one look at that guitar in the Sears catalog and kind of figured out this probably isn't a very good instrument. And she heard about a world famous jazz guitar player named Johnny Smith who had just dropped out of the New York jazz scene and moved with his new wife to Colorado Springs, Colorado and opened a music store. And she took me down there and I met Johnny Smith and I became one of his first students at nine years old. My first guitar was a Gibson. He was a Gibson and Dorsey then. And uh, he drilled into me technique and taste a lot of guitar players, rock and roll guitar players, never quite learned that taste and playing tastefully and playing tasteful solos isn't really what you play, it's what you don't play. And it's the spaces you leave. You know, and so many guitar players will just go, <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, 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 you're having conversation with your listener. So, and, you know, you have to leave spaces and and really try to hit them emotionally with what you're playing. And and I was ready by the time I got to Boulder to go to college. That was when the migration from Los Angeles of all these rock stars who had made it big in the rock world in Los Angeles. They got tired of living in Los Angeles and they moved to the hills above Boulder, Colorado uh, Stephen Stills, Chris Hillman, Richie Fury, Joe Walsh, Dan Fogelberg, Carl Wilson of the Beach Boys, 
Mark Andes of, of Spirit and Jojo Gun, who, you know, we started playing with when we formed Firefall. So, you know, Boulder became a hotbed of music for a limited number of years, but Firefall was right in the middle of that. And uh, it all boils down to the songs. If you don't have the songs, you don't got anything. That's true. You know, you won't have any big success. You won't have any hit records. You won't have any gold records, you know. There's plenty of great guitar players. There's a lot of great singers, but you need the songs. And Firefall had a lot of songs by Rick Roberts and Larry Burnett from the get-go. And that's what set us apart from a lot of other bands, I think. Absolutely. Well, you said you started out with Gibson guitars, and I know you were with uh, PRS. Do you have PRS? You still playing PRS? Oh, Yeah. Oh yeah. Now, do you know? Do you so know where I, PRS got its start? Well, yeah, sure. I, I, you know, I'm a Paul Paul Reed Smith uh, players list guy, and I have like, I think four PRS guitars. Paul's a good friend of mine. Yeah. I come and visit his factory near Annapolis, and in fact, one time many years ago, I invited Paul to come sit in with the band at the ride Rams Head. And it was funny. He came down and brought all his stuff and his big amp. And, you know, he's going to play on two songs. And I was there with my little rental JC120 and playing Paul Reed Smith. And and uh, I just sounded great. I'm a, I'm a really great lyrical player. And it was so cool jamming on stage with the amazing Paul Reed Smith. We hope to have time to go visit the factory and say hi to him. And, in fact, I may invite him to this show. Well, Even you know, though it's only just a, a trio show, but he makes great guitars. And frankly, um, I was a Gibson guy my entire life. My first guitar when I was eight and a half years old was a Gibson. And, you know, from Johnny Smith and everything. And I fell into and bought a vintage 1958 Cherry Sunburst Les Paul, which until about four or five years ago when the real estate market exploded that guitar was worth more than my house <laughs> now my house has gone up about like six times as i can't say that anymore but um i realized you know in about the 80s that i can't keep taking this les paul out on the road in a case and letting baggage handlers check it out and <laughs> you know and people who walk around stage maybe kick it over on stage and everything it was just too valuable. It was my baby. And so I looked around at that time to find out what I could get to replace a vintage, incredibly expensive uh, Gibson Les Paul. And I, somebody told me about, man, have you seen PRS? I went, no, what, what's that? And I went and played one. And suddenly I was on the phone with Paul Reed Smith himself ordering one and the one i wanted was i want a blue one a, a nice medium shiny shiny blue that will look great under stage lights you know and the only blue guitar they that paul reed smith had back in, in you know in their uh, selection of colors back in like eight, 1983 or 85 or whenever it was was really dark blue and he said, well, we can make you another color. 
And we went round and round and round. And finally, he was getting a little upset going, I can't find the right color. He said, okay, Jock, get a Bic pin and look at the cap of a Bic pin. How about that for the blue? And I went, wow, that'd be great. And so they made a PRS custom guitar for me um, in the color matching a Bic pin cap. And he said, what do you want to, what do you want to name this color? Uh, you know, uh, how about Bic pin blue? And I went, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then he said, well, how about Bartley blue? And I went, no, 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 no. You know, so then I kind of said, how about Colorado blue? And he said, fine. And so I, I have the only Colorado blue Paul Reed Smith uh, guitar of that specific color, and I'm still playing it every night, and it sounds great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you know, you know that he got his start actually at Ram's Head, uh, up above the Ram's Head. That was his very first uh, workshop. Oh wow! So if you, I think I probably heard that, but. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Jock, as we start to wrap it up our time, I mean, there are still a few tickets left at ramsheadonstage.com. Jock show is Friday the 27th with Firefall Trio. Uh, that's at 8 p.m. You can and should check out the website at firefallofficial.com. But one last question for you with the, you know, a dozen or so albums under your belt, number 13 on the way. What song... Yours or somebody else's, do you never get tired of playing for whatever reason? Um, there's two songs of Firefalls that stand out. Well, actually three, but, um, the, you know, uh, I really think <clears throat> that one of the two classic Firefall songs that I just am joyous on stage playing night after night are... Rick Roberts, Mexico, and uh, Larry Burnett from Washington, D.C., his song Cinderella. Those two songs are like, oh, my God. And real quick story about Mexico. When I went down to when we went down to uh, to Criteria Studios in Miami to cut our first album and, you know, uh, Criteria was the hit factory and the Bee Gees were there. and Stephen Stills was there and Clapton's. 461 Ocean Boulevard album was made there. So we're recording our first album. Nobody knows who Firefall is, although people knew of Michael Clark or Mark Andes or Rick Roberts. Um, when it came time for me to do the solo and the licks on our song Mexico, I knew that that was going to be one of the highlights of my lead guitaring on the record so I could really burn. And, you know, when I started warming up for that, that day, um, people were in and out of the control room. P the producer pushes the, the, the button says, you ready to go? And I went, yeah. And, uh, so we started the song. I'm playing good. My amp is sounding great. And I make a, a habit of, listening to what the vocal sings and then kind of responding with guitar after it. So I kind of answer, you know, question and answer kind of stuff. And I played what ended up being a one take guitar performance on that song, Mexico, and was just burning in the studio. 
And at the end of the studio, you know, three and a half minutes later, producer says, that was great. Come on in. I take my guitar off and I walk into the control room. And the first person I see is my guitar hero, Eric Clapton, who's been watching me play that one take performance. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. No pressure. And I just crum- I just crumbled and kind of turned into Jackie Gleason. You know, he stood up and and uh, shook, shook my hand and said, keen playing, man. I walked out. It's the only time I've ever met Eric Clapton. But, you know, it's a good thing. I didn't know he was in there before I started playing that because I wouldn't have played anything. It's like, no, I would have been too nervous. But back in those days. You know, my solos a lot of times came out without too much thought. You know, it was just playing and just being in the moment and playing the right thing at the right time for that song. And I told Rick Roberts maybe a hundred times in the past decades that I was born to play on his song, Mexico. And, uh, you know, that so, you know, that one's that one's one that stands out. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you, Jock Bratley, I want to thank you so much for your time today. I can't wait to see you. You're coming to Ramshead on stage on Friday, October 27th. You can get tickets at ramsheadonstage.com. You definitely want to go to firefallofficial.com to learn all about the band. And you're going to be bringing the trio here in support of your latest album, Family and Friends, which is a, a part one album we've learned. So, uh, Yes. Part- and we will be playing some songs from that, but people can expect what, you know, the cool thing about Firefall for me is that we have so many songs that people want to hear. Not only the AM hits like you are the woman and just remember, I love you, but the FM hits like Cinderella and, and uh, Mexico and other songs. So we're going to be playing all the, the songs you expect, stretch out a little bit and play some new songs from friends and family. Fantastic. I look forward to seeing you on the 27th and safe travels from Boulder, Colorado. Thank you, sir. Nice talking to you. Appreciate it. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Last December, I met a girl. She took a liking to me. Said she loved me, but she didn't know the meaning of the word.
naked as a young man now that I'm old. I remember her and the boy. Did he have all the toys and the joys that a young man should have before he gets
podcast from Ion Annapolis. Please visit us at ionannapolis.net. Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at Ion Annapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday.